Greetings, soul seekers. Gratitude for joining me on the trail to Summit Soul Mountain. I'm joined with my brothers, Bill Robertson and Rob Hilgendorf. This special episode is part one of two of our conversation around integration from our experiences from the Ice and Iron Men's Retreat. This heart-to-heart-to-heart was so much fun, and we really went deep. I first connected with Rob through a whole health community, an online health community founded by Rob Carney, one of the Ice and Iron co-founders. We soon met in person at Mount Bohemia for a snowboard trip back in February, where I also met my brother Bill. Rob and Bill are childhood best friends, and now my soul brothers as well. Bill and Rob are both holistic wellness coaches and together facilitate their own wellness community that goes by the name of Slingshot Wellness. They're based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They're amazing humans doing amazing things. Part one, we dive into our 72-hour fast prior to the retreat and discuss our relationship with food and what our evolving awareness to the dynamics of food and health are. I ask them what it is to be a man, a heavy question, and they both deliver powerful reflections. As Ice and Iron was a men's retreat, brotherhood and connection was at the core intention for us all. They share their perspectives on what it is to be a supportive brother and why it's important to show up and call in those aspects in themselves and other men. Weaving the lessons and experiences from the retreat, these men put it on the table and came correct. I already know I'm going to be, re- to be re-listening to this episode again. There's so much wisdom and reflection to process. Part two will be coming soon next week. And for now, I really hope you find presence in part one. And as always, I'm super grateful for traversing the mountain with you as we seek our soul potential. Enjoy. Dope. Let's get it, boys. Sweet. Yeah. Boom. Oh, yeah. Boom. Brothers, <laughs> thank you for joining me here on Summit to Soul Mountain. I'm super grateful to uh, be sitting here with you guys. The feeling is mutual, man. Thank you for hosting us. It is amazing to see you diving straight in and um, sharing your voice and sharing your power and sharing your perspective. I know you've taken a break from the podcasting for a while, you know, sorting some things out. And it's cool to see that that confidence roll right over from the retreat into this and all your creative pursuits. So blessing to be here, man. That's uh, it's inspiring just to see you go like straight into it. You're like, I'm doing this. You know, you talked on the Mark England, caught the tail end of that. And you're like hundred doing a hundred. And then he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to keep going or it's like, Oh, it's limitless at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's awesome to see, uh, to see you just take action right away. And I mean, it's only been a week if that, so mm-hmm. kudos to you. Thank you, brother. Yeah, it feels good to uh, be riding this wave and to to be rolling on that momentum. It's something I always try to do. If there's momentum, just just keep going with it. You know, try not to think about it and just, right. just let it unfold. Right. Um, I'd like to start with with some ohms. Um, we'll hit three ohms. We'll center. <laughs> we'll harmonize, and then we'll dive into uh, some ice and iron integration and and what the the past week has been like for you guys. Let's get it. Perfect. Lead the way, uh, brother. Let's meet on an exhale. Inhale. Oh.
beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's refreshing. It's invigorating. It is. <laughs> it is. You just feel it's the so cells good. in your body just yeah bro something about the vocalization and the breath and doing it with other people and it's like beautiful to be able to latch on to the resonance of the sound and just go inward and just be with the sensations and it yeah it just feels so supportive hmm. it feels like great release of energy and when you get done with it i feel like the hairs on my legs standing and my like, <laughs> arms are like tingling it's, oh, it's just great tuned up oh, cheat yeah. up from the feet up as our boys would cheat say. up from the feet up yeah, oh baby. yeah <laughs> um so riding that that presence that harmonization i'd like to uh offer you guys a chance to um share one win from the week something that you guys are you know happy to explore and and a win oh, yeah plenty of wins oh there's uh, a lot of wins i'll uh, let rob kick it off yeah biggest one i would say uh we did our fifth slingshot wellness event yesterday and just to see bill step in so hard and you know really facilitate and take everything from the heart and then seeing myself um you know there's seen a lot of resistance in the past four just like how do i operate as a facilitator and uh, being on the Ice and Iron Retreat with everybody too just really boosts my confidence. And I just noticed myself coming with more more love and more of a push to really get people to uh, you know, feel in tune to themselves and what our practice is offering. So that was that was uh, one of my biggest wins from the week for sure. Hell mm, yeah, that's man. A, that's a big win. Wonderful. Yeah, Rob, you crushed it. Thanks, brother. So much fun yesterday. That's one of the wins for me too, but you know, there's so many, uh, the ones that I'm feeling most proud of right now is breaking some cycles that I've been working on breaking and stepping away from for quite some time. And, uh, it was amazing to hear on your solo cast, you talking about, you know, taking some space from cannabis. And that's exactly what I've been doing as well. Cause I want it to be this transcendental thing and not just be, you know, I've had a codependent relationship with cannabis for so long, and there's been different phases and different seasons where I've stepped away from it and where I've fallen back into the codependency and disempowerment and using it as a means to escape myself. So yeah, for the past three days, I've been able to adhere to not using it, um, which it's like, it's weird. Like the mind is so adept at trying to like convince you to do it, you know, and the same thing with coffee. So I'm, I'm three days off coffee. I've just been using cow. And so I'm just super proud of myself for being able to stick to what I said I was going to do because yeah, I've just for the past 10 years been on and off with all sorts of different medicines and substances and using them in ways that are not conducive to health and wellness and, and my growth and, and, and they've held me back in so many different ways. And I want to utilize them as the beautiful empowering supportive tools that they are so it feels good to you know take a step forward in that direction of cultivating those healthy uh co-creative uh power couple relationships with these medicines and yeah so that's those are my wins right there oh yeah thank you for sharing guys Mm -hmm. um a win for me this week is uh just diving back into into my podcast and the Summit to Soul Mountain, recording my first solo cast, um, and now being here with you guys, and uh, and just keeping that rolling, um, it feels oh, yeah. good, and uh, to express myself in this way, uh, to find my voice, 
and uh, to not be afraid of what people are going to think by by putting this stuff out there. I think that was my biggest um, setback when I was taking away time. I was like thinking too much about what people are going to think, and and after uh, after the treat, I came back realizing like I'm Ryan Witherspoon. This is who I am, and this is it's my job to to share who I am. So it feels good to to be stepping into this this place dude yeah you're really fucking good at it bro you have a strong voice you have so much to share so much wisdom so much love your heart is it's it's uh it's emanating it's glowing i can see it i can see it in your face i can see it in your smile so I'm, I, yeah your solo cast was amazing i listened to do it last night super powerful very well articulated and expressed uh very well put together well crafted thank you Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say while you're talking, like, dude, like I can just see it in your face. You're glowing right now. So, you know, <laughs> ride that wave and keep it moving. If there's, you know, get that, if you get that little bit of a low. Just remember, you got those highs that are coming. And the, uh, my favorite thing is the lows are there to teach us that the highs are, you know, extra mm-hmm. special. Totally. Yeah, and I got, I got brothers like you guys. I know got my back when I need mm-hmm. to, need to share and support too. So, that's, always, that's something that's keeping me going. Mm-hmm. yeah I was, I was gonna say too you know after the retreat you got like 16 dudes that are your brothers now man like you ever need anything we're always there mm-hmm. oh yeah <clears throat> um so prior to our retreat we embarked on a 72 hour fast which was awesome <laughs> um that could probably be a its own podcast in and of <laughs> itself um i don't want to dive too much into that but i wanted to ask um what your relationship was with food and diet and nutrition prior to the retreat. And, uh, if there was any transformations of your relationship with food during the treat and, and what your relationship is now with food. Cool. All right. So, uh, leading up to the fast, I was definitely getting huge resistance of like, do I do this? I should just back out. Like, there's no way I can do this. And then I'm like, all right, I've done 24 before I do 16 almost every day. You know, what's a, what's a couple more hours, you know, <laughs> we can do this. Uh, but my relationship with food before that was, uh, just eat whatever I could pretty much get my hands on. I was pretty conscious about like what I was eating, making sure that it was more whole foods, but, uh, working, uh, working a night shift, I noticed I would come home and I just want to like eat like chips. I just wanted to drink sodas and I would eat cheese. Like there's always cheese in the fridge. So like, it's something I got to <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> you know, Wisconsin boys got to have our cheese. Uh, so I really noticed that coming up. And then, you know, as I'm in the fast, just started having these, these urges to eat things that I haven't even had in five years to just, you know, get up in the middle of the night and just, you know, give up on it. Like I have to eat something here. And just remembering to chug water to get through it. But um, now that like I'm back home and after being at the retreat, eating all those great meals and like watching uh, Eddie, Jordan and Rob, like create these amazing meals with so many nutrients in them uh, inspired me along with the fast to actually start making my own meals. Um, Cause I live at home and uh, you know, my sister's making dinner and my mom's making dinner and um, not that they make anything bad, but it's like, I truly don't know what's going into it. And to honor myself and to honor the food that I'm eating, like the animals and the plants that are providing me with the nutrients, 
um, I found it more, uh, more in alignment with myself to actually take the time to go to the grocery store, pick out what I'm buying and then come home. And I used to never really like cooking, I used to complain about it. And after the fast and the retreat and making, I've only made like four or five meals, but after doing that, I feel more gratitude towards the food that I eat mm. and just being more conscious about how much I'm eating and notice that I was just overeating too, but that comes with trying to put on weight to gain muscle through my, uh, through my workouts and stuff like that. And it just, uh, you know, I just got to eat what makes me feel good instead of really trying to pound food down. So that's, uh, probably my biggest takeaways from doing the 72 hour fast. And then just knowing I had you two as a support, like that was, that was huge. And, you know, Ryan, you, you did it alone. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill and I were, you know, hanging out Saturday and Sunday together. It was definitely helpful. So like, that's really inspiring and super powerful to see you just be able to do that by yourself. So that's the thing though. I, I never felt like I was doing it alone. You know, I always knew that, that you guys were, you know, I wasn't physically with you guys, but knowing that, you know, we were talking about it and checking in with each other. And yeah, there wasn't, there was never really a time that I was like, felt super alone. So it was really awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, me living at home was hard cause I'd wake up and smell coffee brewing, smell some, oh, some bacon <laughs> just right away. I smell bacon. I call bill and like coming over, I just Dude, woke up. Yeah, coming there, over. Bro. I can't be here. <laughs> so that was that was a benefit for me not having <laughs> not having anybody around cooking for sure yeah but it was it was uh I'm, I'm grateful that you know i had bill's bill's place to retreat to so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that was nice yeah that's awesome yeah i think uh you know kind of like what you're saying about you know gratitude for the food and and knowing what's going into it and i think the energy of of going into it as you're cooking it is it's been really powerful for me to, to be present while I'm cooking and, and to know that there's, you know, it's not just the nutrients that I'm eating, but also the, the love and, and energy of the food itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, something I had only done a couple of times too, before the retreat is, you know, I noticed we all started like, you know, doing a little pray before, and, um, I, I haven't continued it since I uh, just, you know, get in this mode of eat real quick. Uh, but I found, that is just, you know, honoring, you know, the cow or the chicken or the turkey, whatever it is you're eating, even the plants, like honoring Mother Earth, mm -hmm. being able to grow these beautiful um, vegetables for us and all these nutrients, you know, really almost makes you feel more connected with the food, too. And I believe, mm -hmm. you know, if you if you believe it, you put it into it, you know, you're going to get more out of it. So that's been a huge part mm -hmm. for me to notice the actual the taste of it has gotten so much better and just feeling the nutrients go through the body actually um i can't exactly know where i'm going with this one but it just makes you feel better as a uh, like as a whole i know exactly what you're saying brother i, I feel that it's just like <laughs> you're just thankful you're just yeah. like you know yeah i guess yeah it basically comes down to just being you know having gratitude for what you're putting into your body and gratitude for yourself for putting good nutrients into your body mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be my takeaway. Bill wants to share his. Great share, brother. Dude, yeah, it was it was amazing to do it with you guys. Uh, there was many times where I wanted to <laughs> exit, you know, but I couldn't because I was with the journey or on the journey with my bros and we had committed to this. 
we had intentions set, you know, we were all looking to get, you know, similar things out of it, but I'm sure we had our own personal differences in terms of, you know, what we were looking to gain in terms of impact on our health and our relationship with food. But my relationship with food is that, you know, food is sacred. Food is nutritional wisdom. And I, I do my best to consume and eat and respect food to the highest level I possibly can. Um, there's a lot of takeaways, you know, the fast was definitely pretty tough for me the first day. I mean, even after, you know, six hours after my last meal, I ate a super light meal to, uh, going into the fast. So it was just a little bit of bone marrow and some bone broth, bro bone broth, bone broth. So yeah, six hours after I was like, holy shit, I'm feeling super hungry. Uh, my energy levels were fine, but definitely some, you know, physical hunger sensations, uh, mental hunger sensations, notice my mind just continually getting drawn towards food. And, you know, the first night was fine. It wasn't too, too big of a deal. Uh, moved through that just fine. It was pretty smooth sailing. Um, um, but going to, yeah, the second and the third day were really hard. Me and Rob went disc golfing on the second day. We couldn't even finish the round just cause my, our bodies were, you know, a little sluggish. And then like, basically I just noticed my energy decline as, uh, you know, the second day went on and the third day went on and mental processing and just communicating and navigating, uh, like basic tasks throughout the day became pretty hard for me. So it was really just a message just to like slow down and chill and relax. You don't need to get anything done. I still remain busy. I clean my house and stuff like that just to like, uh, you know, yeah, just basically stay busy and um, keep my mind off of the food and stay productive to a certain degree without overstretching myself, overstressing myself. But it was a cool way to gauge my relationship with food in terms of you know, how much I'm relying on the pleasure of the food to escape my emotions and escape myself and escape the challenges I'm facing in my life. There's nothing wrong with deriving pleasure from food, but if you're using the pleasure to, you know, escape the things you need to address, then that is an issue, you know, that's negating from your growth. And, um, you know, we do it in all sorts of ways and having that complete contrast of not having food to resort to help me recognize that on a deeper level. And then, you know, going into the third day when we were able to break the fast, that was phenomenal. I did the best I could to do it in a responsible way and, you know, slowly reignite my digestive system, cup of bone broth with Rob. It was a beautiful experience. It tasted so good. So I started out with that. And then I think I waited like two and a half hours to have another cup of bone broth with some added fats because uh, breaking fast with, you know, we did it with the bone broth at first. So just lean protein, you know, you got the minerals in there, the collagen, I think there's glutamine and some other, you know, gut healing properties to consuming bone broth. So it's a great way to break the fast and to kickstart the digestion. But yeah, so second meal was a cup of bone broth with some coconut milk, I think. And then maybe I had a little bit of ginger in there. Um, and then I had my first salad meal another couple hours later. And I believe I got 
diarrhea. So I was like, damn, like I thought I did good, but um, <laughs> apparently it was a little too much or something. You know, it might have been all the salt in the bone broth or something like that. But, you know, I didn't feel like crap or anything. Actually, you know, it was really great to feel how the, the food revitalized and re-energized me in such a notable way. That was really cool to recognize. Like, you kind of take that for granted as you're consuming meals on a daily basis. And it was cool to be able to feel that in such a prominent way and to appreciate food for how it does that. But, uh, yeah, my relationship, like, Going into the retreat, uh, you know, I was doing good with eating. And then, you know, we had the cannabis ceremony one night. Then after we had the treats feast, you know, we entered into the kitchen, all stony baloney. <laughs> There's just like plates of fresh cookies and dried fruits and cinnamon churro chips and whipped cream. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have one cookie. You know, I have one. And then the floodgates were open <laughs> and I had two. <laughs> And then I had three and I had four fucking cookies. And then I was just like, and then like, so I just went through this process of recognizing like, oh my God, I like, and I've, I've thought about this before, but uh, like my relationship to food is pretty disordered. And I think going through such a restrictive approach to eating with the fast and then having all this opportunity and abundance to consume food, it was like a huge test, but it was exactly like the lesson I needed to receive, like diving into the food. And then like, I, I pretty much went on a binge and then like throughout the retreat, I was just snacking a lot and eating unintentionally. And there was a lot of intentional eating, you know, being grateful for the food, like Rob said, um, you know, sharing the meals with brothers and really connecting with the food and eating high quality food. But um, yeah, just like, and then I was just starting to think about my, like how I've been eating in the past and how I like, I have all these rules and restrictions and I've been attaching to all these isms and like attaching to what other recognizable figures say is the best method of eating and really just getting overly structured with my consumption of food. And then, and then like going through like this yo-yo process of being really restrictive to binging when I would get an opportunity to eat sweets. And that's something I still am uh, struggling with and am uh, faced with like developing a healthy relationship and balance with my food what does that look like because there are all these frameworks and there's so much great information but really i need to just learn how to develop a healthy relationship with my body and its needs and its hunger signals and all these different things and you know not being orthorexic person that like i will never eat a brownie because it has like a little bit of sugar in it blah 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 and being so restrictive because that is also disordered eating i may be eating the best foods but i'm not allowing myself to treat so Ultimately, I, you know, through the fast and then, you know, going on, like, you know, letting go of all my values and integrity around food to a certain degree at the retreat, like having that bounce back and, and yo-yo effect, I realized I have a lot of work to do with my relationship with food. So um, I'm working on that. And, you know, the whole experience was really great. And I feel like I gained a lot from it. And I'm still struggling with some digestive issues and I thought the fast would help. So that was frustrating to realize that it didn't help. I'm sure it helped to a certain degree, but I'm still, you know, dealing with symptoms. So I'm following up to resolve that. But uh, in the end, it was just a cool gauge to see where I'm at with my food, going from the fast to being at the retreat and just a really great awareness process to get clarity on it all. So 
yeah, that's where I'm at with, you know, everything that came to me through the fest, everything that emerged and uh, yeah, it was great to, great to do with you guys, a very valuable experience. Yeah. I think it was an interesting dynamic to go from not eating for 72 hours and having the intention to, you know, completely clean out the system and body and see the patterns that came up for me and for us throughout that fast. And then going into a retreat where there was just abundance of great foods of all, you know, kinds having solid breakfast. Normally I don't eat super early in the morning, but waking up in the mornings and having, you know, heavy breakfast was, was really powerful. And to, to, you know, to eat those ways was, was an interesting jump back and forth. It was a interesting balance to go from no food to a a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah. Like all the opportunity to consume all the best foods, you know, plenty of sweets, but like high quality treats, Mm -hmm. you know, and we deserve those things. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Having that, uh, the abundance of food was amazing, but at the same time, you just, you walk in the kitchen and you're like, give me this give me that like i'm just gonna eat this snack real quick and next thing you know it's like oh 20 minutes of dinner you're like i'm not even hungry anymore like but i guess i'm gonna put this down and um to go back to you saying the breakfast in the morning did you find it hard at all to come back to uh i'm assuming you fast uh, for a couple hours in the morning because i normally don't eat till like noon or one did you Mm -hmm. find it hard to transition back into that after um having our meals earlier because i know at the retreat it was like nine o'clock ten o'clock in the morning for me uh it, that was kind of hard for me because i don't ever eat in the morning did you ever do mm-hmm. you find it hard coming back to not doing that um i think my old ways of of intermittent fasting and not eating in the mornings and stuff was working really well for me and now um i kind of have like a a little bit more awareness to Um, like when my body wants food and allowing it and stuff and not getting caught up in the strict, like intermittent fasting of it. So it's, um, like now I usually eat around 10, 10 in the mornings, um, which I'm still, still playing around and and figuring out if I want to move back into a longer intermittent fast or keep it at like 12 hours. Um, so I've been kind of exploring that. But, but as of right now, it, it feels good to, to eat a little bit earlier in the presence of, of it too. I, I, a lot of times, like I would struggle with getting caught up and wanting to, to be strict with myself in a fast. And it would kind of like take away from my presence of food and my, my gratitude for it and stuff. So now, now that I know, um, like if I get a first burst of hunger in the morning, I'll like, like, all right, sit with that don't, don't just jump into it. Don't just eat right away. And then it'll kind of, you know, go away. And then, but it might come back in 20 minutes. I'm like, all right, Ryan, you're really hungry. You can go ahead and eat, you know, I allow myself to, to, to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's cool to, to figure out, you know, what I'm, what feels good for me now coming back from the retreat and stuff. Oh yeah. Go us. We yeah. did it. We did it. <laughs> we, made it. we made it, boys. 72 hours. No food. That's a crazy experience, you know. It is. I mean, I, th- I think it's easier to do than one would imagine. But I mean, shit, we've been doing health practices and experimenting on ourselves for like quite some time. So I imagine someone that's like never even 
dove into like intermittent fasting or anything like that. Uh, you know, my, my perspective on it's probably a little skewed because I've been intermittent fasting and exploring fasting for a long time. And it wasn't my first 72 hour fast, but, uh, yeah, just overall super valuable experience. And I would definitely recommend it. Obviously do your own research. We're not medical professionals, Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I know if, I mean, again, like I said, not medical professionals, but from what I saw is like, if you're on some, some medications, you know, sometimes you gotta eat those or take those with food too. So, mm -hmm. And you know, if you're on a medication, it's life-saving. <laughs> don't uh, don't just decide to stop eating. Um, and to touch on to what Bill was saying is uh, about like I noticed with like friends and family, I told them they're like, "What? Like what's like what's wrong with you? <laughs> you have to eat." And I was like, "Well, I could actually go another like 48 hours if I really wanted to, but it wasn't you know wasn't the right timing for it." And I think all three of us expressed we probably could have done it mm -hmm. uh, just because we've we've made it that far. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to tell people why you're doing it and the benefits of it. And then they just look at you like, you're nuts. Like, why? Like, why would you starve yourself? And it's like, well, I'm actually, why would you put yourself through suffering like that? <laughs> I mean, cu coming through the other side is it's, it's beautiful. Again, I can hear it in between, between the two of you and, you know, with reflection of myself that it's created a better connection with how we treat our bodies and how we treat our relationship with food. So I think a lot of us are, uh, from my experience and my own struggles with eating, we just grab the closest thing to us and eat it right away. So it helps to be more conscious about what's going in. And now, like, I don't even want to grab stuff from the vending machine at work. I like, I had to, I had to spend four dollars at the gas station today. And he goes, "You could buy a candy bar," and I was like, "Well, banana. Let me buy two bananas. That'll get me to go. That'll get me there instead of." buying you know a Reese's cup which I really wanted garbage one. really really wanted a Reese's mm -hmm. cup but yeah yeah that's that's where I'm at too it's like <clears throat> the especially with sugar and all the sweets and and the pastries and my my sweet tooth that I have it's like I'm learning through that fast and through the retreat and stuff I was like just reminded of how much instant gratification I get from eating food and that super quick um, release of pleasure that I get. And, yep. and it's kind of like a, it's, you know, a pattern of, of, you know, whatever it is feeling lonely or bored, or, you know, you just instantly want to food is such a quick way to feel good, you know, and a lot of times the foods that make you feel the best in that moment are not good for you, you know, eating, eating sweets and stuff like that. It's like, oh, it feels so good, tastes so good. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like, this is not good for you, Ryan. And then it creates a, a cycle of shame and, you know, kind of perpetuates that, that down cycle. So it was, mm -hmm. it was a, a great, great cleanse to, to do that. And then all the food that they made over the retreat, was so good and was so like filling. I ate so many foods that I've never had before. And um, especially eating with everybody. I think that was something that, that I took away that, that I've been integrating into, into doing um, is I was before the retreat, I was heavy um, eater while I would watch TV. I was like dinner time. I'd make my dinner and I would be intentional about making my dinner and stuff. But then I would go into the couch and I'd sit down and watch some TV while I'd eat dinner. And I would just be like, you know, all that presence would go away and sitting down with people sharing stories, 
eating food, like you were saying, praying and giving thanks to our food before we eat was like, it's like, wow, this is, this is what life's about being here, eating good food. And especially to those healthy sweets. I was like, all right, you don't want to deprive yourself of one of life's greatest pleasures of, you know, tasting good foods. Eating food can be can be pleasurable and it can also be nutritional. So it was it was, it was cool to to go through that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Thanks for sharing, bro. Mm-hmm. Um let's uh let's dive into what it means to be a man. That's uh, a heavy one for me, something that I've pondered for a really long time. Um, you know, in society, there's a lot of negative talk about being a man, patriarchy and, you know, control and, you know, things of those natures. So Bill, I'm curious what you, um, what being a man is to you. Yeah. Uh, that's a journey, man. Figuring out what my perspective is on that and something I'm continually developing and finding clarity on and something that truly means a lot to me being someone that did not have masculine, positive masculine male role models growing up. Both of you guys know, grew up without a father. So yeah, my dad passed away before I was born, raised by my mother, two siblings. Um, so a lot of me figuring out what it means to be a man was just, you know, through media, through my friends, which like when you're in high school and you're a middle schooler, like toxic masculinity is rampant. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so I didn't really have any frameworks to latch onto and to explore and really, um, that created a lot of challenge for me and also presented a great opportunity as well. I did have one great mentor, my cousin, Nick Williams, uh, you know, mentor from afar, but I always loved how he showed up and like, like truly embodying love and prioritizing connection and being there with family and being present and, and laughing and being a family man and being supportive, being that foundation. Um, so that's definitely some of the things that, you know, I think play into masculine, healthy, masculine embodiment. I also think, um, you know, being on the journey of continually developing your purpose and your mission as like a sole priority, I think that's primarily fulfilling as a man, I think it supports our biology. I think we were designed and we evolved to, um, you know, be the supporters, be the protectors. And through our mission and purpose, we can offer that to the world and we can offer that to ourselves. We can offer that within our relationships. Um, speaking your truth. What does that mean? Developing your voice. For the longest time, I had the story of me not being someone that could develop and cultivate deep connections and someone that was just, you know, I'm just in confidence, uh, you know, mainly due to all these micro traumas that I experienced in high school, getting up in front of classes and just feeling super embarrassed being the kid that was shake and his face would get all red. 
So I really feel like doing the things you need to do to learn how to express and articulate your truth is really important and what that means because each of us have unique perspective and wisdom to offer and that helps everyone grow and uh standing up for your truth even when it's challenging you know we all got families who have you know and people around us that have different belief systems so we can't just bend over and like you know hide in a corner when we hear something that someone is saying that maybe we feel is immoral or something that is against you know mother nature or that is bad for the earth or that is uh just plain out dark um, I don't know, hurtful towards other human beings. So I believe being a man entails standing up for what you believe is right and actually speaking your mind and always being on that path. Um, and also, yeah, just figuring out who you are, like, what is your identity? What is your place in the world? You know, that all plays into purpose and mission, but um, being a protector of people, mm -hmm and mother nature, your family, your tribe, all living beings on the planet. Um, I feel pretty complete with that. Um, so yeah, being the foundation, speaking your truth, learning how to do that, continually expanding that through the challenges, being a protector of all living things, honoring all living things, having respect and reverence for all living things uh, and doing the work to continually expand that and be able to share that with the world. So yeah, thanks for asking and uh, I'll kick it off to Roberta. It's a beautiful takeaway, Bill. Definitely growing up with you since we were four, I've seen, seen you go through a lot and watched you grow and to see you articulate what it means to be a man and to see you actually believing that and living that truth has been really impactful on me so really proud of you for doing that i just had to had to step in and say Received, that real quick bro thanks my dude <clears throat> um for me what does it mean to be a man it's a it's a loaded question <laughs> it's uh, a big one yeah it's you know i don't think i've actually really been asked that before i thought about it i mean as uh as bill said it's always continuing it's always evolving and there's so many different practices that can bring you into like what uh like what you want to show up as and who you want to show up as and ultimately for me um it's just being you know my authentic self and not not holding back in front of people because you know i'm scared about what they're gonna think or you know if i talk about uh like my practices and it's like oh man like you know that's kind of some like you know feminine energy stuff that you're doing there and um, for me to be a man is to have a healthy balance of both. Um, hmm. cause what I used to think it was is, you know, uh, don't cry, you know, be strong, be the one that helps people get through stuff and, you know, get the fast, loud car. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a fast, loud car still, <laughs> but you know, there's all these traits of just like not showing emotion that, you know, really made me like hide into my shell, uh, which is the nature of the crab as I'm a cancer in my horoscope. And I've noticed that the more I tap into who I am and who I want to be as a man, 
uh, it's okay to show my emotions, to show love, mm. to have that deep down cry and, you know, release that energy. Because once you hold that all in and, you know, just pack it, push it, push it, push it, it's got to come out sometime. And for me, it used to come out in anger. It used to come out in bursts, used to come out in, uh, you know, abusing <clears throat> certain substances, mainly uh, alcohol was the big one. And just, I always thought that was part of being a man too. And it's something I talk about a lot is that drinking copious amounts, drinking half of a 30 pack of Miller High Life in a <laughs> night is not, is not the, it's not the way of the superior man. Um, so ultimately for me now, it's to, to feel the emotions that come up and to sit with them and not just, you know, immediately react to them. Of course, it'll happen from time to time, um, which is, it's okay. I allow myself to do that. But only in a sense, if I can, within a couple of minutes of seeing that reaction and sitting down, like, okay, that wasn't right. Why did you react that way? Is there something deeper that that's coming from? And to, to allow others to, to see you as a man and keep practicing what you preach as to be a man. So for me, like in conclusion, it really comes down to feeling my emotions, expressing my emotions and allowing them to be seen you know because they're not they're not anything it's not anything that should be hidden to me because i have sadness i have happiness i have joy i have um all these emotions and you know you have emotions bill has emotions you know, our animals have emotions so it's just natural hmm. can i add one more thing in quick absolutely one thing I'd like to add is I think another important role of a man is calling his other brothers up and holding your other brothers accountable and having the courage to do that, despite how they may be emotionally upset about it, because that's, that's anything and everything I could ask for in a true brotherhood, you know? So that's also one thing that came to mind. Hmm. Yeah. One thing I think that's I'm hearing from both of you, it's a few things is foundation is being being good, strong foundation for brothers and, you know, other people to lean on and to, to be there to support, um, and, and responsibility owning, you know, your emotions, owning your truth, whether it's a truth to you, or, you know, it's something that you feel is an absolute. And it's like owning those things is, is I think what is one of the aspects of, of being a man you know, authentic responsibility. And, uh, especially with your emotions. One thing that I was like coming through when you were speaking about emotions, Rob was, uh, like your weaknesses can be your strengths, you know, sharing those parts of yourself shows your strength. You know, when you can express something that you feel small about is really you expressing how big you are. And, uh, so I appreciate both you guys sharing that. It's definitely, you know, a big question and something that is, uh, it's not really asked a lot, I think, because, you know, whenever you hear, you know, talk about masculinity or a lot, it's, it's negative, you know, it's like, lower that down, take it down a notch. It's like, nah, as a man, you need to push it through. You need to puff your chest and say, this is who I am, you know? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's been demonized in our culture for sure, to a certain degree. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to add to me saying like the emotions of letting it cry out, I'm not saying like, you know, you're, you're out with some friends and say like, I don't know, something triggers you and like, you're about to cry or like say something like really bad does happen. Um, and, you know, sometimes you do have to like push that cry down. Like sometimes it's okay mm-hmm. to, to show others like, okay, like I am here, I am supportive, but you know, don't bottle that up. Like when you have your time to, if, if you don't like crying in front of people, you know, get to a safe, a safe spot that, you know, you feel comfortable in, like maybe it's, you know, right before bed, maybe it's, you know, just during the day or while you're journaling or doing some reflection, you know, let it out. Cause you know, as it might be toxic to hold that all back, I believe that there are times where, you know, it is important to, you know, stand strong because it's, you know, it's a man thing to do is stand strong, mm-hmm. be there, you know, be, you know, be the, uh, be that stronghold pillar for the foundation. So absolutely. Well, yeah. For the, well, for the roof, not the foundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Got to have the foundation, the pillar and then the roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I like that because knowing having control of your emotion is definitely, you know, a powerful thing to, to when something, something strong happens when, you know, there's an emotional situation or you get triggered or something, being able to, to take control of that emotion and be strong and, and say, not right now, like there's work to be done. And then, and then coming back to it later. And I think that's something that doesn't happen as you know as a as a man is like all right just bottle it down and then it comes up in other ways and other you know feelings and and anger and stuff and and speaking of anger i'm i'm curious of you know what you guys what your relationship is with anger like it's a good question it's uh um i laugh because my relationship with it was terrible for a very long time i mean you know, 10 years ago, I was 18 and I was still in high school. And then a few years before that, obviously still in high school. And um, I would say that, um, you know, I pushed down a lot of emotions between a lot of like the anger and sadness got pushed down. And then it came out in lashing out on teachers, uh, lashing out on loved ones, whether that was a, a romantic relationship I was in or, you know, maybe lashing out on friends or my family. So anger used to be something that just put me into like a blindness. You know, I would, Mm. you know, start, start yelling. I would, you know, punch holes in walls, man. Like it was not good. I actually, I chopped off a tip of my finger once while I was uh, drinking and slammed the door on it. So um, unfortunately that didn't really fully wake me up to it. I kind of pushed it off as somebody else's fault instead of my own and owning it up to it. But now, uh, I look at it when it comes up, I try my best to recognize it as well as I can, you know, more often than not, I, I can catch it. And for me, it's, it's, it's good to have, it's a good thing to have, mm-hmm. but to be able to re to release that energy in a good way. Um, that's, you know, what I found to be a big struggle for me now, though, it's, it comes up, sit with it. And then, you know, why is it coming up? Like, why is it sitting with it? Like, is this, is this anger true? Or, you know, is it, I'm just letting somebody else get to me about the anger. So um, I've actually had it before where I've done uh, like the monkey fist right on the bed, just and yelling, just 
releasing that energy it feels so mm -hmm. powerful to do that or even just uh <clears throat> i mean i wouldn't say it's releasing anger but after a good workout sometimes just if i'm home alone and just getting you know primal yell out just in the house as loud as i can like my neighbors hear it i don't care because you know deep down i know like that's a release of energy and do i know if that's anger for sure coming out or not i don't know but it feels really good and um, you got the endorphins from the workout as well. And, you know, that yell and going back to the yell too, if you are in a point of anger and you can step away, you don't want people to hear you yell, grab a pillow, throw it over your face. Like just, it's getting that energy out in a positive way instead of um, like I was saying before, you know, pounding beers or pounding any mm. sort of alcohol or, or indulging in copious amounts of a substance, punching walls. It's not healthy because ultimately uh, you're not really getting that out. You're just creating uh, more of a problem and not a good way to cope with it. So mm -hmm. um, I do believe it's a great thing. It's a good thing to have. It's just, I think anger is wild. So trying to tame that um, mm -hmm. is the biggest, it's the biggest practice and the biggest uh, mountain to climb over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think anger can be such a great teacher and, and finding clarity, like, like, if something brings up rage and anger in you, it's because, you know, you stand for a belief that, you know, is, you know, kind of against the situation or experience that caused you to have those, those reactions and, and learning like to sit with the anger, feel the anger, and then question like, why am I angry? And like, what, you know, it's, it's a, a point of action to, to do something about it, you know, but when there's, you know, if you don't know how to release it, like you said, if you're just slamming beers, you know, or punching walls or like doing stuff, that's kind of, you know, counterintuitive and not really doing anything, then that anger is, you know, it's not good. But when you can, you know, find a way to, to find clarity within it, anger can be a powerful, powerful tool. Yeah, abs absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a, a messenger and a teacher for sure. As all emotions are most of my life, I have been emotionally avoidant, you know, through all methods, you name it, psychedelics, masturbation, drugs, alcohol, being a workaholic, um, you know, all these different means of escaping my emotional experience and processing my emotions and energy is not create not created nor destroyed so that energy isn't going anywhere besides remaining in your body so it just compounds and it compounds and it compounds then the buck is full then it overflows and then you're going to just be in a place of reacting and um you know it's going to come out in all sorts of ways it has to find a way out so it forces its way out but, you know, being someone that has been primarily emotional avoidant, you know, there's been a long journey of learning how to process and be with and honor and learn from all my emotions, definitely specifically anger. My cat, who is right here, is my greatest <laughs> reflection of where I'm at with my anger and where I'm at with my emotions period if i'm getting angry at my cat or impatient i know something's up you know it's like he's just being a cat 
That's his nature. He's going to be meowing to get the fuck outside because he loves to do that shit. So where, what am I really angry at here? Where, where is this resulting from? Um, you know, just through practicing ancient techniques, I've been able to move and be with my energy, dancing, painting, singing, making music, making art of all different kinds, having a conversation with the boys, you know, just, just being honest and authentic and genuine with whatever you're feeling and transmuting it with the voice. And that's so powerful, but you know, processing anger is super important and finding healthy ways to do so, especially as a man where there can just be like this overarching cultural pressure and, you know, the, the, all the stories and narratives of, um, you know, men having to be strong and not cry and, and, and push things down and avoid things. That's all so very toxic and out of alignment with what nature intended. So finding methods to, you know, tune into what your body is feeling and where you're actually at in your emotional body is super important. And that's why I love a stillness practice. That's why, you know, I haven't been practicing Tai Chi very long, but I have been meditating on and off for the past year, uh, more so consistently now, but it truly allows me to tune into my heart's needs and what's really happening in my body and in my mind and to just be with it. And that's what nature intended us to do is just to like sit with it and honor it and learn from it. So I feel for me, uh, you know, my stillness practices have been very valuable movement practices, vigorous movement, you know, tapping into that like primal energy, like getting some grunts in, vocalizing, you know, at the men's retreat, we did that exercise and I totally was processing some rage there, like screaming as loud as I could. And I lost my fucking voice. It was a price to pay, but you know, it was medicine. It was the medicine I needed. It felt really good. Uh, yeah. Rob mentioned the, the, the primal scream, like Sometimes we just need to vocalize and, and yell and, and that allow, allows us to free ourselves from the restrictions of the emotions we haven't been addressing. And a lot of times we don't even have to understand it from the mind standpoint. We don't need to analyze it. We just need to express mm-hmm. ourselves. And, and, you know, sometimes there are <laughs> things to dissect and understand and to integrate with the mind. But ultimately, I feel if you have you know, a good assortment of like fundamental basic practices to help you express yourself and like really good friends you can be around to converse with and share what's really happening within you. You know, that's really all you need to, you know, process anger in a healthy way. Otherwise, it's going to overflow. The bucket is going to fill up and overflow and it's going to overflow and bleed onto other people and hurt people hurt other or hurt people hurt people so Mm. yeah it's uh you know it's important that we honor our nature being emotional beings and animals and find ways that work for us to move through it to be with it and to learn from it Mm. well said yeah i like how you you mentioned um like that your mind doesn't need to understand you know why your body your body knows to to release those things and 
and to let that happen is it's great so that's something i struggle with is like feeling something you're like nope nope i don't understand why i'm feeling this just don't feel it and and uh the body knows you know you got to move you got to yell if you got to you know punch your pillow or or do something like having those practices to effectively transmute anger is it's powerful yeah man <clears throat> yeah bill can i say something i don't know if it just started getting lighter outside but like while you were saying that i just saw <laughs> i just saw like an aura of like light just shining behind you and i was like man this dude is wise like he is, Thanks, he is you guys are wise you guys inspire it was just like i just saw a glow i don't know maybe the caffeine's hitting hard now but it's just like oh dude i, I I'm, I'm in it i can feel this love <laughs> i feel it too thanks for that reflection likewise well for me this this retreat was was a deep seeking for brotherhood and like a quest to to feel seen and feel felt and to be able to express myself um, unapologetically and to, to be vulnerable and, and find intimacy within other men. Um, so brotherhood is, is really important to me. And, uh, you know, going through the treat, I know that it's important to, to both of you guys too. Um, so what does, uh, what is showing up as a brother look like to you guys i know you kind of mentioned it um being a man and stuff but but as as being a brother get it rob all right um yeah as bill was talking about brotherhood and uh the last talk about uh what it means to be a man it kind of some stuff came to mind i wrote down on my phone here is uh it's being able to be heard by your brothers to be seen by them to be called out by them um, to be able to have a deep conversation, to, mm. uh, to talk about the, the struggles that you're going through and to actually have somebody look at you in your eyes and, you know, breathe with you and, you know, offer you advice if that's what you're looking for. Um, and to, um, have someone to lean on, to have a group of men to lean on and, um, going in this, I wrote down a little bit of intentions for the Ice Snyder retreat. Uh, one of them is to witness others and myself in the most authentic version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first the first day was was hard for me to almost like I felt like um, I was worried about what I was going to say, like how people would receive me and who I am. And uh, I didn't feel any judgment towards anybody, but. Uh, for uh for me the brotherhood is just noticing that like we were all there for the same thing and uh like i have great relationships here back home like nothing wrong with that but i've never really had too many people um other than uh i feel like bill and um you know our our really close brother keenan uh who i could actually like you know i could cry to i could i could hug for 20 minutes if I needed it, or I could express how I'm truly feeling. And then being at that retreat really opened it up that, you know, I, um, all of those, all those men there would, would have done anything for any of us. And I felt the same way. Like I would do anything I can to help anybody there. And, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's like having, 
having those people to lean on, having those people to grow with, to watch grow. And, uh, you know, if you see someone hit just like a straight line, you'd be like, Hey man, what's up? What are you doing? Like, get out there. Like I saw you doing it. Like you were creating, like, you know, is there like something wrong? And, uh, you know, I really, really like having that impact of having somebody give me that push. So for, for brotherhood is being pushed to have connection and love, uh, especially with, um, you know, another man, because again, going back to like, what does it mean to be a man? Like, there's always this like, you know, like, yeah, like I love, I only love women. And it's, like, I don't love men. Like they're just my friends. It's like, no, dude, like, I love you, Bill. I love you, Ryan. Like, <laughs> why can't, why can't that be expressed? So it's being able to, uh, to fully, to fully be witnessed by some brothers and fully loved by them is, is the biggest thing for me. And after, seeing that in everybody's conversations just whether you could just like walk up and you just step in just listen and you can hear the pureness in everybody's voice um was beautiful and just so impactful and sometimes they ask you to chime in and you're like i don't know I just you guys keep talking it's nice <laughs> i don't know i feel like i might be rambling on it but uh yeah that's <clears throat> that's uh that's my take for sure thank you for sharing yeah, there's a, a lot of beautiful things that you said, you know, especially pushing, pushing each other and, you know, noticing when, when somebody's doing something and then they kind of hit that flat line, it's like calling them up. It's like, Hey man, you know, you said you were going to do this, you know, stay true. And, uh, and it's not like down talking them or anything. It's, it's challenging and then supporting them through the challenge. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we forget like that we said we were going to do something and you know it's as easy as to write something down on your phone or write on a piece of paper you know if you're not seeing that every day but your friends heard you say it and your brothers heard you say it they can come like oh how's it going you're like oh i completely forgot i was even going to do that all right thank you for reminding me or it's like oh i don't know i'm kind of on the edge about it and then it gets your mind moving again and they'll can they can you know mm -hmm. push you push you back into that role mm -hmm. yeah and i think recently I, I heard it a couple of times through the treat. And then uh, when I was talking with Mark England, he mentioned it too. And it's like, I don't remember what the specific statistic was, but it was like men from the age of 40 and below have like this crazy statistic that less than one friend on average. Yeah. It's like w less than one friend that they can reach to out go to. and talk to. And then yeah. men above 40 don't have anybody. Oh, and fuck. I was like, it's like, wow. holy shit, dude that is that blew my mind yeah. and I like I resonate with that because I'm like you know I got good friends and stuff but not you know not fully where I'm like you know can go speak my heart and feel like you know I'm being seen without them you know projecting their own beliefs onto my experience and just you know being there for me you know I think that's that's the one of the biggest things about being a brother is you know is seeing them you know just just for their experience oh yeah yeah i'll share rob hit on you know most of what i feel called to expressing but yeah one of the main things is you know what the question was uh what does it mean to be a good brother in terms of brotherhood relationship man to man right cool mm -hmm. um so yeah you know, we're all seeking to 
be in optimal form, whether we consciously believe that or not, are we are designed to as men to uh, seek that and to pursue that and to cultivate that. So I feel showing up as someone in the relationship to, you know, as we've mentioned multiple times, to call each other up to our highest in all ways, in our relationships, in the way we treat our body, in our perspectives of the world, um, in our pursuits of creativity, in our businesses, whatever it may be, you know, we all have something unique to offer each other and we need the reflections, you know, we need the reflections to continue to grow that and to continue to build it. Um, so yeah, just aiding each other in reaching our highest potential, asking the right questions, asking questions that, uh, you know, maybe triggering, you know, um, that that's what I'm looking for in my relationships. And it's, it's definitely not easy. It's not easy being that person. It's not easy being on the receiving end of that. That's, that can be hard to hear, you know, emotions are hard to navigate, you know, your ego wants to jump in the way and, you know, assert itself and, and because it feels hurt when, when maybe you're, you're not living up to your highest and someone calls you on it. And really it's just, it's a means of love. It's, 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 that's unconditional support. It's just relaying the truth to your friends and your brothers and in all your relationships. Uh, that's a fucking art form for sure. That takes time to, you know, find the right words and to deliver it in a way that is productive and every relationship and connection is different. So that creates such a unique challenge. And I love that practice. And, you know, I, I feel like a novice, but I feel like I've found good footing in that area. Um, and it's not about being right or wrong. It's just proposing questions for deeper growth, really giving the person a question to ponder that can expand their perspective and help create more clarity on their path um another thing yeah it's just that plays right into this just honesty truth transparency like fully exposing yourself fully exposing what you believe to be right you know in all ways at all times in the relationship um yeah being able to give and receive love whatever that means to you and yeah, I feel that's that's all I got. I feel like we covered some good ground there. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's uh just recently that Bill told me if I didn't do something, he would lose his trust in me. And uh, you know, him saying that was super powerful. And I can't I can't let a brother mm -hmm. down. Like, you know, and for him to do that, if he would have said that, like, who knows? Maybe I mean I came to him with a you know, with a question on what I should do and letting him know where where I was at with something and got home and was instantly like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not letting that happen. That's, that's too, that's too impactful. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a good example of, of brotherhood is mm -hmm. Bill was saying being called up in those hard conversations and being able to, you know, be comfortable with being like, Hey, like, I'm not afraid to say this to you. So uh, mm -hmm. thank you for doing that bill. And, you know, just wanted to give that as an example for anyone that's listening 
in case they uh you know they see it coming in one of their relationships hell yeah we're all i think we're all just as brothers men to men just helping each other um really feel into and define and align with our actual integrity you know being integrated men understanding our values and really embodying them and then calling each other out when maybe we recognize someone as being out of integrity or where they could be more in integrity which is super valuable you know mm -hmm. you don't want to be someone who has double standards or yeah i mean and sometimes yeah it's just we get confused and sometimes we it's you know things can be a little bit in gray areas so it's great to like be able to share perspectives and mm -hmm understand that we're really just there to support each other and being our best selves and doing it out of love it's never who's right or wrong it's just this is how i feel this is how i see things and i feel like this would be valuable for you to um explore or you know whatever it may be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i for i forget um off the top of my head who said it but i think it was during um our closing ceremony at the retreat and they had just mentioned like about being a friend and being a brother is like always seeing your brother's highest potential, you know, always, you know, seeing even when you don't see that in yourself, when you're feeling down, it's like a, a brother sees you as, you know, that highest potential as pure soul as, you know, and, uh, and then calling that in and reminding, reminding each other. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. It is so the good. best, dude. Feels so good. So it's so empowering, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's so healing, man. It's so fucking needed to just be able to like see what that actually is, which is just a means of you having your best life. You know, like it may be hard to receive it at first because of the ego, but mm -hmm. truly, really, it is the medicine you need. So that's that's like the best when you realize you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I fucking needed that. You know, I need to hear that shit, even mm -hmm. though it sucked in the moment. And we all deserve that, you know, exactly. Like, we all deserve to feel that in ourselves and uh, feel that from each other. And that's something, you know, I'm constantly reminding myself is, you know, you deserve these things, you know, keep, keep going. You deserve it, you know. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Summit to Soul Mountain. My name is Ryan Witherspoon. Um, I'll have part two of this conversation coming out, being released next week. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. Um, next week's episode, we dive into our earth medicine experiences, what Slingshot Wellness is, their mission, um, some playfulness and stories from the retreat. grateful super honored to have brothers like these men uh, they show up they're doing the work and they're making the world a better place so be sure to give them a follow on instagram and uh, i will be seeing you soon much love peace